Well, good evening. We just want to welcome you to River City Church. If you are listening online to our podcast, welcome. So I hope you're in you're someplace cozy where you can enjoy hearing God's word and continue to grow with us. Let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, so much that we can be here with you, Lord. We thank you that your presence is with us. We thank you, God, that you've again called us together just to dive into your word. I pray that you would just help us to see the truth that you want us to glean tonight, Father God, that you'd open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to comprehend all that you have for us, God, that we continue to grow and understand what it means to really live a devoted life for you, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we began a series last week called A Devoted Life, and in week one, we talked about how God, when he sent Jesus and he called us to be his followers, he didn't call us to just pray a simple prayer at an altar. He didn't call us to just make a commitment that we weren't intending on keeping, but he called us to die to ourselves. We read passages in Matthew and Luke where Christ literally said that if you want to be my disciple, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. And that the first step and the first commitment in living a devoted life or a life that is discipled after Christ is dying to self. Now, this is a lifelong process for most of us in some aspect, but there are things that we all can do. And we, This past week I asked you to look at a passage of Philippians to reflect on what that means, to consider others better than ourselves, to be people after Christ's mindset that we would do what he's asked us to do. And so this week we're going to go ahead and take a look at week two which is going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to start with a game. Yay. And this game is called, Is It in the Bible? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some different quotes and passages, and I'm going to have you guys guess whether it's from the Bible or if it's just something that people think is in the Bible. And the easiest way to do that is just to raise your hand. So are you ready? Okay. So the first phrase, I think this will be an easy one, is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that in the Bible? Yeah, yeah, it's Philippians 4, 3. How about when praises go up, blessings come down? Bible or not the Bible? It's a really great idea, but it's actually not in the Bible. <laughs> um, and I mean, I, we, get, we can see the concept that as we worship God, that we're blessed as a result of worshiping God. Um, but nope, that's not in the scriptures. How about um, train up a child in the way they shall go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Yeah, that's Proverbs 22, 6. How about a fool and his money are soon parted? A fool and his money are soon parted. Okay, that one is not in the Bible, but a lot of people think so. It sounds like it could be in the Proverbs, because it talks a lot about foolish people and spending and things like that in different passages. Uh, another one is, um, this too shall pass. It sounds like it, but it's not. Um, <laughs> that's actually not in the Bible. Um, here's another famous one. God helps those who help themselves. No, that's not in the Bible. That's right. It's not. And um, God will never give you more than you can handle. No, that is not in the Bible. And there's a, there's a passage about temptation that people often reference and think that that has to do with it, but it actually doesn't. Um, the scripture says that God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can handle, but will always make a way to escape. 
but it does not ever say that God won't give you more than you can handle. If God didn't give us more than we could handle, then we wouldn't need him. So the whole purpose is that we can. We've just been playing a game. Is it in the Bible or is it not? And Sierra did awesome. <laughs> She's our winner for the night. Yay! <laughs> okay. Um, she only got like two wrong, I think, which is pretty good because some of these are tricky. And, and that's, that's one of those things that, you know, is it in the Bible? And this week we're going to talk about the importance of the scriptures because after we've decided to follow Christ, after we've accepted him, after we've committed to say, okay, we're going to take up this cross thing and we're going to die to ourselves and we're going to let Christ determine our lives, how do we do that? <laughs> Like, maybe you went to church, or maybe you were watching TV, or maybe you are on the internet, and you heard this awesome gospel presentation. You're like, yes, that's what I need. That's what I've got to have, but what do I do now? Where do I learn more about this Jesus? Well, the next step in having a more devoted life is really getting to know God and Christ through his word. Because without knowing what Jesus taught, without knowing what God's word says, how in the world can we begin to even lay down those things in our lives that we're supposed to? How can we begin to embrace all that God has for us? Um, So let's take a look at John chapter 14. We're going to look at John 14, starting with verse 15. It says, and this is Jesus talking, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And a little while later, going down to verse 21, he says again, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. These passages here clearly say that Jesus is like, if you want to be my disciple, if you really love me, you're going to keep my commandments. How in the world do we know what those commandments are if we don't even read the book? Right? It's one of those things that should be a no-brainer, but it's really not for a lot of people. (laughs) We struggle with that. Um, And for the the disciples, you know, Chris talked on Sunday, for those of you who are here or have listened to the sermon, talked about, you know, Jewish boys growing up training to be rabbis and how by the age of six they had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. By 14, they had to memorize the entire Old Testament all the way to Malachi. And this importance of, of knowing God's word, it was a big deal. Um, if you read through the Old Testament after the law was given, and you, know, you think about Charles and Heston coming down from the mountain with the big stone tablets in the movie Ten Commandments, um, it was more than that. It was more than just the Ten Commandments. There was this whole system of rules and law, laws that the people of Israel had to know. And they, it was so strong, their belief in obeying those things that God gave them. It said, you know, bind them around, put them on your head, put them on your doorpost. And to this day, um, Jewish people still have a little thing right by their doorpost that has the Torah, that the Old Testament, the the law on it, and when they go into the house, they touch it and they kiss it to remember that this is what we believe and this is who we are, and we are to know and obey this law. It's that powerful. And so when he gave this word to his disciples, this is the mindset they had, that the law is everything, that God's commandments are the things we're supposed to obey. So when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, he's reiterating that God's word is important and the things that he has taught them have 
serious value. And to the point where he said that if you do this, he said what? It, it shows that you love me. And anyone who loves me, my father's going to love me, <laughs> love them, and manifest myself to him. And I will love and manifest myself to him. So if we do this, it shows our love for Christ and that God will love us and that we will have a better revelation of who Christ is. And that may seem kind of strange, but if we take a look at John chapter 1, it's kind of cool. I really like John chapter 1. It's one of my favorite poetic passages of the New Testament. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now this word that they're talking about, if we go down to verse 14 of John chapter 1, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this idea that Christ was like God's word embodied in the flesh. I mean, think about that. God's word made flesh, walking among us, glorifying God, and revealing the fullness of what this commandment, what this word was all about. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law, the scriptures tell us. So all those conditions that were put on and all these rules that they were asked to follow, could they follow them? No, it was impossible. It was impossible, which is why there was a sacrificial system, and they went through the process of every year having to sacrifice for their sins and for all these different things. That's why the scriptures tell us the law is perfect in converting the soul, because what does the law do? It shows us our human imperfections, our need for a Savior, how horribly full of sin we are as people. <laughs> and Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to come in and say, you're all lawbreakers, and now I'm here to punish you, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> no, it, he came in to be the ultimate sacrifice so that we could know the reality that God's law wasn't about abiding by rules, which is a lot of people took it at, but it was about having a relationship with him. Let's take a look at a passage from the Old Testament. We're going to go to the book of Leviticus. It's really kind of cool. And they talked about those boys having to memorize the scriptures. This is the, the book that I was like, oh, that would have been the deal breaker maybe because Leviticus is full of a lot of rules and this and that and <laughs> go cleanse this and it's a lot. It's hard to read, let alone to memorize <laughs> for most people. So props to everybody who memorizes Leviticus. Okay, so Leviticus 26, starting with verse 1, it says, you shall not make idols for yourselves. Neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar shall you rear up for yourselves. Nor shall you set up an engraved stone in your land to bow down to. I am the Lord your God. I sh you shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield produce and the trees of the field shall yield the fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage. And the vintage shall last until the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. For I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. 
I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you walk upright. Now, this is really cool, because he's talking about provision and blessing to the people of Israel if they obey God's commandments. The thing that's so pertinent and relevant to us right now about this is what he says in verse 12. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. That image of God literally walking among them. Where do we see that in the scriptures? Anybody? Anywhere else? We see God walking among people. In the New Testament, yeah, when Jesus comes, right? But how about in the Old Testament? In Genesis. Um, With Adam and Eve, it says that God walked in the cool of the day in the garden with them. That was one of the last times we ever heard of God doing that with people. Right, that's just a form of him, yeah, yeah. But that same language, that same walking among you, is what he used in Genesis. And the whole purpose of God bringing this, this law and this truth through his word for people to come to repentance of sin and to come for, for payment, or a fun word, propitiation, that's my $5 word for the night, um, was so that God could be among them again the way he was with Adam and Eve. And the fact that he's saying here in Leviticus that I want to walk among you and be your God and you be my people, that's, that's the heart of God's love for us. And so when we talk about keeping the commands that Christ gave, and we think, think about obeying God's law, it's not a matter of these are the rules, you break the rules, you're out of luck, three strikes, you're out, you know, any of those things. It's a matter of bringing us to a point where we understand that, one, we need God, and two, that we can have that, that same relationship with him. So let's take a look at um, some passages about the scripture itself to kind of give us an idea of, of the importance of it. Let's take a look at Second Timothy. We're going to look at Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it says right there that it's divine, it's inspired by God, it's there for correction, which is when we think of the commandments, that's what we think of. We think of the things that we're not supposed to do. Um, we, we think of Christ's commands to follow him and do these things. We think of often the challenge of it and then often how often we fall short of it. And it is for correction, but it's also for instruction in righteousness. Okay, how to live. They're teaching us how to live, not just saying, well, these are all the ways that you're screwing up and you're never going to amount to anything. <laughs> it's saying this is how God wants us to live and it's possible through Christ to do this. Psalm 119, verse 11. Let's take a look at that. We're going to jump around here a bit. It says, your word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. All right, that, that idea of memorizing the scripture, of making it real to us, not just reading it or like clicking on our daily devotion or like for some people, the only Bible they get all day is memes on Facebook and half of them aren't even in the Bible as we've kind of looked at today a little bit. <laughs> They're just really nice thoughts. Um, that by reading God's word and then memorizing God's word and having God's word in front of us the way that we're supposed to, it helps us not to sin. 
It reminds us of who God is and how much God loves us and how much God has done for us. And because of that, that's why we don't sin. It's not because we're like, oh, yeah, that whole lying thing, that's one of the, that's one of the rules. That's not why. <laughs> it's because part of our devoted life, part of that journey, is through going into God's word, reading about who God is, reading about what God has done for us, reading about how God sees us and how God wants us to live. We take all those things like a love letter from God. And it changes the way that we view ourselves and we view the world. And we take those truths and we put them in our heart after accepting Christ and embracing the the cross and embracing the dying to self. It becomes something very dear to us and it challenges the way that we think. Um, Psalm 119 verses verse 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path that it guides us, that it shows us the way that we're supposed to live. Um, on Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says that we are to meditate on, the, on the, the law, on the scriptures, day and night. To think about it, to contemplate it. When we're waking, when we're getting ready to sleep throughout the day, that God's word should be before us in some capacity. And for, for us to think about it, we're like, how do I have time in the day to think about the Bible all that time? You know what I mean? Like, reality. <laughs> and like, for us, I think grabbing hold of just part of it, what we're studying. And we're going to be doing um, a workshop in a couple weeks on praying in color, and we're going to talk a little more in depth about how to really grasp this concept of meditating on God's word. Um, but taking hold and saying, you know, this, like we did this last week, we looked at Philippians and the passage of Philippians and to read through the passage of Philippians and to be thinking about what God wrote um, in Philippians for us to contemplate as to the kind of person that Christ was and the kind of person we're supposed to be and to grab a hold of a passage. And it might be one passage for the whole week. It might be a whole, a verse for a whole month that you're just stuck on. I can do all things through Christ. who strengthens me that you just sit for a month on that verse. And you know, when you have your downtime in your car, you're like, I can do all things through Christ. who strengthens me. And you, you, you pray about it and you mull over it and you're like, letting God sink in what that really means and how big that really is and how mind-blowing that really is and that if we really took hold of that, our lives would be completely different. You know, that's, that's what it's referencing, that we would be consumed by desire to know the fullness of who God is through his word. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, tells us, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This idea that for, for those that are faithfully following Christ and pursuing the things he has for us, that we should be able to rightly divide what's, what's true. That we should be diligent in our study of the scriptures. That we should know what's true. We should know what God wants us to do. We should know what's contrary to what God wants us to do um, as part of following and being a disciple of Christ. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us that we shouldn't be conformed to the worldly things, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, how in the world does that happen? Do we get like, my kids have like those magnetic boards. Do we just kind of go, whoop, whoop, renew our mind? <laughs> that would be kind of cool. And if we all had like one of those things on our, like right here, like a mustache, we go, and it just renews everything. Well, Psalm 119, let's jump back to Psalm 119, which if you want to know about passion for studying God's word, Passion for the law, what David wrote in Psalm 119, that's what it's all about. Um, It's actually the longest book of the Bible, and it's mostly about how awesome God's word is and what it can do for your life. 
if that tells you. Like, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, but he says in verse 9, how can a young man or woman cleanse his or her way by taking heeding according to your word? Another translation that I think is the King James says, by delighting in the law of the Lord. Is the way that I memorized it as a kid. And this, this idea that if we want to renew the way we think, if we want to renew the way we approach others, if we want to renew the way that we embrace what God has for our life, it's by going into God's word and letting God's word be the way that we think, be the way that we, we view people. And it's amazing how you can go from being like, these people all suck to Christ is like, think of others more than yourselves. <laughs> this is what I did. Wink, wink, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> you know, this idea that, you know, it's like, oh, we really have to do these things. We really have to die to self. We really have to love these people, but they smell. Seriously. But that's, that's, what, that's what God's word does. Um, and Philippians 4.8 which is actually going to be our passage for study this week, Philippians 4.8. It's one of my favorite just examples of what God's word can do for us. And many people have this passage memorized for good reason. It says, finally, brethren, what, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You know, we fill ourselves with so much negativity. There's so much bad that we read every day. I was on Facebook with my daughter today, and... She's four, so all she wants to do is watch the videos. And if there's animals or babies, those are the ones she picks. So she picks this baby video. And about halfway through the video, we realize it's a video about a baby that died before it got to be a year old. And so she's looking at all these cute pictures and stuff, and the baby going into the hospital. We get to the end where they talk about how the baby didn't survive. And she is sobbing, like hysterically sobbing over this child she's never met. But just because, you know, she's four and this baby died and it's awful and she was cute and sweet and this... The family was believers, and they were trusting God through the whole thing, and they still are in spite of losing their, their little one. And this idea that there's so much sorrow, there's so much negativity we see between the news, and we're in a campaign season, so you know that's all we're going to hear is this person is evil and awful and is going to ruin the world, and that person is definitely more evil and awful than this person, and they're going to ruin the world. And that's all we're going to hear for months, right? Political ads and everything else. There's so much in our lives that are negative, and that's not the way that God's called us to live. He's called us to live a life of what? A freedom and hope and joy and peace and to be a light to other people. But how can we do that if we're filling ourselves with nothing but negativity? And so when we talk about taking hold of God's word, to know Christ, to better be his disciple, because like he said, if we don't keep his commands, we can't be his disciple, to better have that relationship with God where Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll do this. And the Father will love you too. This promise that God will be with you. And like back in Leviticus where he's like, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you. And I'll be your God. All of these things that point us to a relationship with God that grows deeper through his word. And that if we take this to heart and we, we do, we meditate on these things, the things that God has given us in the scriptures. And we passionately pursue the truths that he has. That it's going to transform our thoughts, it's going to transform our actions, it's going to transform our lives, and ultimately everyone around us. And it seems simple, but so many of us neglect this simple step to just open the Bible and to grab onto it and say, okay, so for this week, 
open the Bible and grab onto Philippians 4.8. Memorize it if you can. Put it on a sticky note. Stick it on your, your screen so when you turn your phone on, it's the first thing you see. Write it on your bathroom mirror with a dry erase marker, whatever you need to do. But get a hold of Philippians 4.8 and remind yourself that these are the things that we are to spend our time and our, and our energy meditating on, the things of God. That we may be transformed into things that are what? Noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report. Right? And all those things come through a relationship with Jesus Christ that begins with that first embracing the death that he's called us to die and then diving into his word. And if you're listening and you're saying, I don't even know where to start reading the Bible, start with Philippians 4.8 this week and then jump into the book of John. It's one of those things that for years we've talked about for people like starting to read the scriptures, where do you begin? John is awesome, one, because it's easy to read and, it talk, and two, because it talks about Jesus. And it will help you to grow in your relationship with him and to love him in a way that you maybe haven't so far. And I remember when I first came to faith in Christ as a teenager, I still have my Bible and it's in pieces because I could not get enough of God's word. I could not get enough. I don't know that any pages are still stuck together. It's kind of just like in a pile in a box in the basement because I can't get rid of it because it means so much to me that journey that God took me on through that Bible. And I'd had that Bible for years. I'd been given it, had it for years, and didn't read it unless I came to church and I needed it for some new school. But when I came to faith, I destroyed it, trying to get to know God better and to have a better relationship with Christ. And that's what he asked us to do, to come into that relationship with him and then to dive into his word that we may know him more fully and know what he desires of us. And we can have that relationship where God walks among us, and that he is our God. And I love that. I love that picture, that I will walk among you, and I will be your God. That picture of what God's been desirous of since the beginning, that we would just be with him and have a relationship with him and know him. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you call us to be with you, Lord. That you call us, yes, to give up everything, to be your disciples, and then you give us this word of truth that helps us to know you more and to know what you're about and to know what, how you want us to live. God, I pray that you would continue to help us to love your word, to be passionate about it, to grow and to not see it as just another book of good teachings, God, but to know that it's truth and that we can live on your word, Lord God. Your word says man can't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I pray that you would help us to do that, Lord, that we would live by your word, I pray ask you just to go with us, be with your people, and that you would be glorified in all we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, just a few quick reminders before we go. If you brought your tithe and offering this week, we do have the collection in the back just in case you need it. Um, Also, we've had announcements scrolling, but we've also updated our announcements on our website. So rivercitychurch-watertown.com, you can catch all of our current announcements scrolling. Woohoo! Yay! (laughs) And um, coming up, we have game night coming up, and we have worship night coming up, and our mom's group starting a whole bunch of really fun things. And we encourage you to check that out on our website, and hopefully see you there. Thanks.